you're looking for homeschool sanity, welcome. I'm Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschool mom and curriculum author. But I was once so disorganized, I thought I had to quit homeschooling and stop having kids. Now, by the grace of God, I have six homeschool graduates. Whether we're discussing parenting, productivity, or practical tips, I pray that this episode is just what you need for happy, healthy homeschooling. Hey, homeschoolers. Several weeks ago, I was reading in a Christian parenting group and came across a question that I thought might interest you. The woman was a homeschooling mother of several young children, and she asked, is it normal that it is chaos? I couldn't wait to answer her question, but I wanted to answer it for all of you too, because I have been there and I suspect that some of you are there as well. But before I answer that question, I want to thank the sponsor for our podcast, which is Harper Collins. They have a brand new Bible called the Kingdom Girls Bible we want to tell you more about. Looking for a Bible to encourage the girl in your life? The NIV Kingdom Girls Bible is a beautiful new Bible that will inspire girls ages 8 to 12. It contains 400 features and colorful illustrations and highlights famous and sometimes infamous women of the Bible. Special notes will encourage girls to apply Bible passages to their lives through prayer, art, and activities. Go to NIVKingdomGirlsBible.com for a free sample and to learn more about this amazing Bible. Visit NIVKingdomGirlsBible.com today. And we are back talking about chaos. Before I go any further into this topic, I want to define some of the terms that she was using. First, let's define chaos, the definition that I'm going to be using for my first answer. And my definition of chaos is that unexpected, unplanned things happen all the time that you are constantly being interrupted. And that is my definition that I'm going to use along with a definition of normal for my answer. And my definition of normal is typical. It's common. Is it typical and common to constantly be interrupted, to constantly have your plans messed up when you're homeschooling? And I bet you can anticipate my answer to this question. It is yes. Yes, it is common. It is typical to be a homeschooling mom who has more than one child that you're homeschooling, and your day doesn't go as planned. Your homeschool plans don't go the way that you expect. Really, nothing goes the way that you expect. You are beginning your day, and the dog gets loose, and the washing machine starts flooding, and you have kids who are fighting and you have to deal with character issues instead of getting the math lesson done that you expected. So is it chaotic, especially when you have young children, especially when you are starting 
your homeschooling journey? Yes, it is. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I know it can be frustrating, bewildering, overwhelming when you are homeschooling amidst the chaos in those early years. But I can tell you, and I know that my fellow veteran homeschooling moms who have adult children would agree with me that when you look back on these years, you're going to laugh. You're going to actually miss them, even miss the chaos using this definition. It's funny, the things that happen. And so often, the unexpected, the interruptions to your plans are better than what you had planned initially. I I know that was my experience having young children, that so often the things that we ended up doing and the way that we spent our day was better than what I had planned. So the answer to this mother's first question is, yes, it's normal. You can relax, breathe a sigh of relief that you're normal. But she followed up this question with, is this normal? With another question that I want to define, and that is, is the chaos just a phase that we will get through and then things will change and things will improve? And that question was worded in such a way that I have a different answer. If you have chaos that is not just typical, but is just not optimal, and in fact, it is having your expectations not met, but to the point where you feel like things are out of control, that you've just thrown up your hands in surrender because you can't handle it, then it is not just a phase that is going to improve with time. That is my answer to that second question. No, this is not just something just to dismiss. It's just part of the homeschooling experience. Let me tell you why. I experienced the second definition of chaos when I first began homeschooling. I had a three-year-old that I was intending to teach preschool activities to, and then two of his younger brothers. And things were chaos in my home, but in a way where I was ready to give up, throw up my hands in surrender, because I knew I wasn't actually teaching my three-year-old. I didn't have control of my house. I had no idea what to make for dinner on any given day. My husband was annoyed. And we both thought there was no way I could keep homeschooling and not get called in to Division of Family Services one day. We also both felt that there was no way I could handle having more than the three children I already had. So I was ready to give up on it. And that is when I learned that the chaos I was experiencing wasn't just a phase that would go away on its own. In fact, I needed to do some specific things to regain control of my home, my children, the educational process, and my own happiness. And many of you have heard this story that I've told multiple times before. 
But someone I knew told me about a woman who called herself Fly Lady online. And Fly Lady introduced me to a concept that changed my home to the point that I felt confident in my ability to homeschool. I felt confident in my ability to handle more than three kids and be happy doing it. So let's talk about what you need to do if you are in that second type of chaos where it's it's a no-go. <laughs> you just can't handle the homeschooling family life experience anymore without just completely failing or just hoping and praying that it goes away. And it is, in fact, a phase. The very first thing I would advise you to do is what I did and what Fly Lady, who told me to do, I was going to say, Fly Lady has been a guest on this podcast before, and I will put links to the episodes that I did with her in the show notes. The first thing that Fly Lady told me to do was to establish a routine. A routine is not a strict schedule. It is not get up at 6 a.m., take a shower until 6.15, do devotionals until 6.30, and so on. A routine is simply a list of activities that as much as possible you do in the same order every day, not necessarily for the same amount of time. So let me give you an example. With a routine, I might have history read-alouds for uh, the time following our Bible time and right before we start our English studies. But in a schedule, I would have, I'm going to do our history read-alouds from 10 to 10.30. With a routine, if my kids are loving our history read-alouds, which they often did, and we would often go off on rabbit trails where we would dig into a topic that interested us in a lot more depth, then I can do that. I can spend more time on our history read-alouds and maybe cut back on the English studies, or maybe figure out something else that is in our day that we don't need to do. I think it's better to just spend less time on an area than to skip it completely. But there were times, honestly, that we would skip something. But by and large, we were doing the same types of activities in the same basic order every single day. Why does that matter? It matters because it gives you decision-making relief. You don't have to get up every morning and think, okay, what should we do first? Your kids have peace of mind because they know what to expect. There is structure in your day. And even when you are interrupted, which is going to happen, you get so much more done in such a more enjoyable way than you would just trying to freewheel it every day. And believe me, I tried freewheeling it every day. So I know what that is like. And quite honestly, I have tried doing that in my life even today, just thinking, oh, I don't need to follow my routine. I'll just do whatever I feel like doing. Maybe I'll just jump online instead of doing what's on my routine. And pretty much Every single time I do that, I am less happy with how I spent my day and with what I was able to accomplish. So a routine is going to make 
everyone happier. And even when your kids complain and they say, oh, let's not do this activity today. We don't need to do it today. Your kids love having the structure of a routine. Neither does having a routine mean that you have to start school at 7 a.m. On my Facebook page for Homeschool Sanity, you will see many times homeschooling families talking about the various ways that they structure their routines. Some of them begin homeschooling in the afternoons. Some of them are late morning. They're not early birds. Some of them even homeschool in the evening and on weekends. And you can have multiple routines. You can have a dad is off work routine. You can have a mom is not feeling well routine. You can structure your routines in a way that they serve you rather than you serving them. So the first way to break free from that negative type of chaos is with a routine. The second way is to have structure around child discipline. One of the first things that kind of goes out the window when you feel overwhelmed and stressed out by all the unexpected, unplanned things in your day is you neglect child discipline. And of course, that is going to result in even more chaos. Before I begin to talk about what I would advise you to do as an overwhelmed mom with discipline, I want to differentiate between two types of child misbehavior. And I've done it before, so just bear with me. The first form of child misbehavior is disrespect. Disrespect is when a child openly says no or sasses you with a sarcastic uh, tone or rolls their eyes at you or God forbid, would be physically resistant or even violent with you. These are all forms of disrespect. And if you decide ahead of time what your response is going to be to disrespect, you will save yourself a lot of stress. So one thing you might want to try when a child is disrespectful is to say, that was disrespectful. Please use a respectful tone. If you haven't taught your child how to use a respectful tone, this would be the time to do it. And have your child repeat whatever was said using that good um, honoring tone, no eye rolling, and that kind of thing. Other options that you can use for disrespect are time out. You can remove a privilege. So you can say no game time. If you have a teen, you can say Give me your cell phone. You can say no keys to the car today. I will be driving you to work or whatever the case may be. You can also say drop down and give me some push-ups right now. You can also add your own chores and responsibilities to your child's to-do list if they are disrespectful. But the bottom line is when you have a disrespectful child, the response from you has to be immediate. It doesn't have to be angry and overboard. It just has to be immediate. And if you know, this is how I'm going to deal with disrespect, and maybe you have just a short list of options of things that you're going to do, it will really remove the chaos, the feeling of I'm out of control here. Okay, next, let's talk about disobedience. 
disobedience is not the same as disrespect. Disobedience can be, I keep forgetting, and I'm using air quotes, I keep forgetting to unload the dishwasher each morning, even though that is my chore. It could be, I want you to stop playing the game and I want you to get your laundry done. Your laundry has to be done. And when you go to check on your child, your child is still playing games and has not done what you have asked. This is disobedience. And you have to be, um, you have to be a bit of a detective about your child's disobedience. You don't want to just immediately drop the hammer. You want to know what happens before you start disciplining a child who is not getting things done that you've asked them to do. So you want to find out, hey, I asked you to clean your room. What happened? I asked you to do laundry. What happened? And if you have a child who is in need of discipline for disobedience, because you you know that it's not just like a completely crazy one-off, you know, normally they're so obedient and you can just talk to them and just say, hey, next time, make sure that you get this done when I ask. Make sure that your spouse uh, didn't intervene and say, hey, I need you to do this or I don't want you to do that before you give them a consequence for disobedience. I used to be very much on the too hard side of discipline. I have talked about this at the great homeschool conventions, and I would love to have you join me at the great homeschool conventions this year. I'm going to be talking about sibling squabbles. I'm going to be talking about kids' social and emotional skills. And I'm also going to be talking about how you can stay motivated as a homeschooling mom. You can go to greathomeschoolconventions.com to register. But what I talk about at Great Homeschool is this idea that there is a way of disciplining that can be too hard and it has consequences. And there can be a way of disciplining that is too soft. And this is the extreme that we as moms tend to gravitate toward when we feel overwhelmed by our homes, by our kids. Okay. So, what we want to do is instead of doing a too hard strategy, which for me was having a chart with every conceivable infraction and all these various consequences, and I never wanted to take the time to go and run and look at the chart. But when I did look at the chart, I would tell myself, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. I don't want to use that as a consequence. And so I was excited when I found Dr. Kevin Lehman's book, Have a New Kid by Friday. In the book, he helps parents like us come up with a strategy that doesn't require a big complicated chart and it doesn't require decision making. When your child is disobeying you and you have more than one child and you have so many things on your plate, the last thing that you need to do is sit down and figure out what is the perfect consequence. So his strategy works beautifully for this. And here it is. When your child is disobedient, you've determined, yes, this child needs a consequence for disobedience. So your child did not do their laundry when you asked them to. They played games instead. 
As soon as your child comes up and says, hey, could I have a snack? Can I go over to my friend's house? Can I stay up late tonight? The answer is no. You won't explain why until your child asks you, wait, why? Why can't I have a snack right now? That is when you will say, remember when I asked you to do your laundry. Most children will respond this way. They will say, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. I'll go do it now. And in that case, you'll say, great. Thank you so much for doing your laundry, but you still may not go over to your friend's house. When we have really given up on our responsibility to discipline disobedience, a child like that who is given a consequence for the first time in a very long time is likely going to complain loudly and is going to push every button that he can see to get you to change your mind and, you know, to explain the behavior. But you have to stay strong. If that means walking away, if it means putting in earbuds and listening to my podcast so that you don't have to hear the complaining, by all means do it. But stick to your guns and make sure that your child learns that disobedience isn't acceptable. Okay. So once you have a discipline plan in place and you have a routine, you're going to be feeling so much more in control. But there is another piece to this pie that I believe is critical, and it is planned self-care. What can happen is when our days are just full of all these unexpected difficulties and we have kids disobeying us then we're just exhausted because we can't even take a shower without the kids knocking or get on the phone without the kids interrupting. And we're running around trying to get dinner made. The kids aren't helping us because we haven't disciplined them to have them help us. And so we're just wiped by the end of the day. And so what do we do to try to recharge our batteries? We often get online and just start scrolling or we, we might pick up a novel that we've really wanted to read. And then we stay up so late doing an activity that is meant to recharge us. But what happens, of course, is the very next day we are exhausted because we've been up so late. Now the kids have maybe beat us up. <laughs> and I mean, not beat us up, but you know what I mean? They got up before we did. And now they're running wild We feel like we're already late with the day and it feels like the day is lost. And so we are starting this vicious cycle where probably our kids are going to be disrespectful to us, disobedient. We might get angry. We're going to need even more time to recharge. And so the pattern will repeat itself. So the solution to that is to have planned self-care time. I encourage you to listen to an episode that I did on self-care where I make it very, very clear that self-care is not selfish when we aren't doing anything that hurts us or hurts other people, but instead we are recharging so that we can pour out, pour ourselves out in the way that our husbands, our children, our church, our community, our extended family in a way that they need. 
And the only way that we're going to be able to be equipped to care for all of these people and to do all of these wonderful things is if we know we can count on the time. I know I'm going to give myself the time. I'm not going to say, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to do it. You don't need to have that time with your girlfriends. You don't need, you don't need to go out. You don't need to do a Bible study if it means that um, your husband has to stay with the kids. I believe that good self-care is the reason I was able to do what I did with my six kids for 25 years. I believe that was a huge part of it. And I give my, my husband a lot of credit for understanding that intuitively. He knew that he also had a need for a lot of self-care and he, he took it. And so he wasn't going to deny me that. And what you might be thinking right now is, well, I have a husband who doesn't ever take time for himself. You not taking time for yourself isn't going to make him more likely to take time for himself. That is just doubling down on a strategy that isn't very effective. If you will plan it, plan a time. I have a book called The Organized Homeschool Life and a planner that goes along with it that will allow you to plan when you are going to get organized, what you're going to do. It can help you establish a routine. That's one of the very first challenges in the book. You can see on your daily planning page exactly what you are doing with your routine that day. And if you get interrupted, which is inevitable, you'll know how to come back and either jump in where you are during the day with the routine, or you can go right back to where you got interrupted. As part of that planning page, there is a place for a reward. I believe a daily reward is in order. What can you do to reward yourself? Think of what would, you know, give kind of light you up, encourage you. It, it's going to be individual, but I encourage you to plan those daily rewards and then maybe a weekly reward that's a bit bigger. So maybe having someone come over, hiring a mother's helper to come over so that you can go out and take a class that's just for you or go shopping by yourself. Whatever it is that would really renew you, that is when you can take the time to make sure it's on your agenda and then make it as important as what you plan for your kids and other people. I hope that has been helpful to you. A plan for your day, a routine, a weekly routine for you and your kids, a plan for discipline and a plan for self-care. My hope is that just doing those three things will help you break free from that very negative kind of chaos that will not go away on its own. I would like to thank my sponsor for this episode again, Harper Collins. And if you want to access any of the resources that I have mentioned in this podcast, visit me at the show notes page at homeschoolsanity.com slash chaos. Have a happy homeschool week. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope something you heard was encouraging. 
If you have a personal question to follow up, don't hesitate to message me. I'm at Homeschool Sanity on social media. Be sure to check my free resource page at homeschoolsanity.com resource and find Sanity Saving Curriculum at fundalearnbooks.com. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.